We've been in a series called When Pigs Fly, and When Pigs Fly is a series on, on miracles. If you've ever, I don't know if you've been here, I'm realizing more and more that I'm getting older, and so I'm realizing that some of my things that I say, that some things that I know or say, people don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Like the phrase, like I, I say things and kids are like, we don't say that no more. I'm getting that, oh, it's people like Andrew Parker's like, we don't say that that's 2000 like early 2000s like we don't those are things we don't say no more they're like that was 1996 i'm like you shut your mouth you know and so i'm learning what not to say but when pigs fly is just saying that whenever something when you don't believe something happen, like yeah when when pigs fly like, for example when i say to my kids i say to i say to john wesley beecham the third i say john trip i said is your room clean yes sir it's perfect when pigs fly it's just it's not gonna it's not probably didn't really happen you know or when I, when I tell, you know, when Diana asked me something or I say to her, yeah, I did a great job with it. She said, yeah, when pigs fly, you know, did you remember everything when pigs fly? Diana's going to Kenya in just a few weeks. And, and she said, hey, do you need some, do you need me to schedule some, some, some babysitters? Do you need some time to, to make sure you don't pull out any more hair, no more grays to come in? Do you need me to schedule some break time for you away from the kids while I'm in Africa for seven days I go no I got it I think underneath her breath she went when pigs fly like just not yeah that's, that's gonna take up if you don't need help that's gonna take a it's gonna take a miracle so we're talking about we're talking about miracles and there's a reason why we need miracles and I and I realized this just recently the reason why we need miracles is because of John chapter 10 verse 10 the Bible says this that the enemy the thief he comes to kill steal and destroy that's what he comes to do but Jesus says I've come to give an abundant life or I come to give you a full life or a rich life, or in 2019, we want you to hashtag win. I don't know if that's still appropriate or not, Andrew, but Jesus came so that you could win. He wants you to have a, a winning record. He wants you to have a, a, a winning time of life. He wants you to win in your finances. He wants you to win in your relationships. He wants you to win in your profession. Jesus wants you to win. The Bible says he came so that you could win, so that you can have an abundant life. But the reality is that he, why he wants to do that there's an enemy out there pulling away at you, trying to pull you down. And the only way for you and I to get away from the enemy is if God does a miracle. And we've defined the word miracle this, is when God does what you and I can't do. When God shows up and does something that we can't. And I'll be honest with you today, I realize the older I get, there's a lot of, I, I would be a terrible God. <laughs> I would be a terrible God. And you'd be a terrible God. And the problem with that is that we, we'd want to be God. Because whenever you realize that God's God and you're not God, you have to give up control. And let's be honest in here today. We like control. How many of you guys in here today, you're going to be honest. You're control free. Yes, I appreciate that. A lot of, a, I don't want to be judgmental because this church isn't like that, but a lot of you women raised your hand. <laughs> a lot of control free. I feel bad for the men in this church, you know. And my wife's not in here today, but she's probably, if there was a control freak competition, she would come in first place. The girl likes her some control. She's like, the other day, she's like, what do you want to do tonight? I'm like, just whatever. I said, what, she said, pick a restaurant. I said, let's, you know, she said, give me some choices. I gave her choices. And she's like, or she gave me choices. And I, and I was like, all right, cool. Those are good choices. I picked the place. She picked the opposite place of the choice that she gave me. I'm like, then why did you give me the choice? I'm like, I said, here's why, because you like control, you know? And so, Pray for my wife. The miracle I need in my life is my wife to give up some control. That's the miracle that we're praying for and we're believing for. No, I'm just kidding. But it, the reality is that because the enemy grabs us and he takes a hold of us and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy, the only way to get away from the enemy is if, if God does a miracle. The only way for God to do what incredible, I was talking to a guy the other day, just yesterday, and I said, hey, how is, how is so-and-so to do? And he goes, man, he just, he graduated high school and just got wrapped up in the wrong crowds. He's, it looks like he's in, in a situation, he's just doing really, really bad. 
He's got some addictions that he's, that he's working through. He's, doing, he's not doing great. I meet with people all week long, Monday through Friday, and I just coach people and encourage people and love on people. And a lot of people, they're in a situation, the only way for them to get out of it is if God does, only what, he, if God does what only he can do. And if a miracle happens, my friend Randy here today, he said a few years ago, his, his aunt was diagnosed with a stage four cancer. And I asked him this today, I said, how, how's your aunt doing? I hated to ask because I don't like bad news. I'm a good news kind of guy. I said, how's your aunt doing? She goes, it's gone. I said, what's gone? She goes, he goes, the cancer, it's gone. It's not, it's not there anymore. Only God can do that. Only, only God can do that. And I hate asking those kind of questions. I'm the kind of guy that goes up to girls and say, hey, how are you and your boyfriend doing? And they usually say, we broke up yesterday. Like my timing is not impeccable. But God's timing is impeccable. So I like, how, how is it? So there are some people in here today, I, some people said, hey, would you pray for me, Wes? I need a miracle in my, in my finances. And I'll go to them and say, hey, how's your, they, they don't need a miracle in their finances. What they need to find is a, a J-O-B. And so I'll say to them, say, how's your, how's the job hunt going? They said, man, I got a job. I said, praise God. Only God could get you that. Only God could, only God could work that out. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, uh, uh, Fraley, who runs, a, runs a, an animal shelter. And he said, there's, for, if there's, there's one job one job for every five veterinarians. Is that right? Is that right? One job for every five veterinarians. It's hard to, it's hard to get them. So maybe it's the opposite of the way around. Yeah, it's the opposite of the way around. There's a bunch of jobs out there. There's not very many veterinarians. There's five jobs. It's just, it's, it's not, he says, it's just hard. It's going to take a miracle for me to find that, for me to find that person to work for, to work for my place. And you need a miracle in your finances. You need a miracle in your, in your health. And only God can do that. Only God can do that. That's the point I'm trying to get. Only God can do those things. And so I wrote down a couple things about, about miracles. If you need a miracle, we work as hard as we can at our church. We work as hard as we can, but we pray for God to show up. So if, you're in need of, if you need a health thing, then you gotta pray. You gotta go get the doctor, you gotta go get, get help, and you also gotta pray. If you need a, a work thing to work out, then you gotta work really, really hard. You gotta, if you're looking for a job, you need to put out 100 resumes. Until you find a job, but you also got to pray for God to show up. If, you're, if, you have a, if you have a health thing that you're working through, and you're like, man, my health's not good, you got to go to the doctor, but you also got to pray. If you've got a relationship issue that you're working on, then maybe you need to go to a counselor, or maybe you need to get some sort of coaching, coaching, but you also have to pray. You can't just be like, I hope it all works out. I don't know if you've ever noticed before, noticed this or not before, but things just don't work out if you're just hoping that they work out. Have you ever noticed that before? They're just not gonna, they're not gonna work out. If I go out there today and get in the truck and pull the trailer up and there's no gasoline in it, I can't be like, well, God, if you're up there in heaven, I, could you get some gas in the car? And God's like, no, you, there's a gas station. There's some things that God can do, but there's some things that you can do. I gotta put gas in the truck so that it doesn't, so it doesn't run out. I get in the car my, with my mother-in-law in, in the last, been married for almost 14, for 14 years, almost 15 years next year. And, and um, she's like, just, just, honey, I've heard her tell the grandkids, honey, y'all, just pray that Grandma finds a parking space up front. I'm like, honey, I say to, grand, I say to the Grandma, I go, honey, God don't care, you know? <laughs> like, he just doesn't, he don't care about your parking spot. She's like, well, I'm just praying that he, maybe he does, maybe he does. He, he wants to answer my prayer request, you know? And I'm like, well, pray for it. You pray for it, you pray for it, and I'll pray for it. Like, you got to get there early. Yesterday, I was leaving the, leaving the, um, leaving the Jersey Mike's parking in Winter Garden is like, there's hell, and there's parking in Winter Garden. Like, there's a, it's just right below that, it just it's not as hot here. It's close, but it's right below there. And so I'm like, I'm packing out of the parking lot, and there's a guy wanting to park there. He was coming this way, but it was a guy coming this way, and I'm like, this is going to be, I said, this is awesome. Tiny goes, what happened? I said, these two people are about to fight for this parking spot. <laughs> like, I don't personally like to fight for parking spots, but I don't mind if other people do it, you know? And so sure enough, the guy slid in there really fast. He got it, and the guy pulled up right behind him. And I'm like, 
Jerry, Jerry, you know, like, I'm like hoping for the best case scenario, you know, to happen. And so I could get out and go there and lay hands on them and pray for them. Like, guys, don't do this. In the name of Jesus. Like, I wanted to help out. And, and so I pull up a little bit and the guy gets out and goes, I was, I was waiting for that spot. And then he saw the guy get out and he got back in his car <laughs> and it backed up. He's like, right, you can have it. You can have it. Like, he's like, I don't want to get beat up today, you know, like not in front of my wife, you know, which is, that's my motto. If you're going to get beat up, don't get beat up in front of your wife or your kids. We work hard and we do some things, but then we also pray. We work hard and we pray. If it's a job or if it's a relationship, you do what you can do, and then you pray for God to do what only you can do. Some of you guys in here today, you need some healing, and I believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ, and we realize that God heals, but he doesn't heal all the time. God heals, but he doesn't heal all the time, and that stinks because we want him to heal the thing that we want him to, to heal, but he doesn't always do what we want him to do. But here's what I do know about our God is our God is never late. And he's always on time, and he does what he wants to do, and he can heal anybody he wants to heal. Sometimes he chooses not to heal, but he's got a bigger plan. He's got, a bigger, he's got bigger things going on than just, our, than just our life. I was telling some friends of mine the other day, we had a lady just recently diagnosed with, with breast cancer. She walked into our church three weeks ago, and she said, I'm here because I just got get the worst, worst, worst news I've ever had in my life. And I said, are you a Christian? She said, yeah. I said, you know the worst case scenario that happens to you? And she goes, what? I said, you die and go to heaven. And she's like, that's the worst case? I said, yeah. And I said, by the way, heaven is baller. Like, heaven is so stinking cool. I got a little picture of heaven in my mind the other day. I was driving down the road. I was on 408, in which I spent a lot of time on 408, to be exact, about $300 a month worth. And so I was on 408. I'm not, who's counting, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm on 408, and I'm driving. I see this guy in this white Jeep Rubicon. And his foot was outside of the Jeep. I said, trip. look how cool that looks. Like, that looks cool. And Tripp's like, and I'm, I'm, and I'm rocking the red minivan. And Tripp's like, yeah, Dad, roll the window down and put your foot out. <laughs> I said, son, when you, says, son, when you're wearing skinny jeans, your legs don't go that high. <laughs> I would have tried it. I would have tried it. It does not look that cool. I, I think that would be cool. There's things I see sometimes that I think, oh, that would be cool to have that. But heaven is going to be better than whatever it is that we want to have. Heaven's just going to be that much better. Whatever it is that you want to have or whatever it is that you want to go and do. I was talking to a friend, out, uh, my brother-in-law out there, and we were talking about this new private island that there's in Bahamas, this new resort um, and th th that he went to last year. And we were talking about great places to go and great places. I was telling him, I'm ready for vacation. I'm tired. We just came out of community group season as a pastor. Some, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm, I don't have any superpowers. The way you get tired from working hard, I get tired from working hard also. And I was telling my brother-in-law the other day, I am exhausted and I'm, I'm ready for vacation. And, um, and I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready for that to get there. I need, I need five days off to kind of power up, and I'll be ready to go for the rest of the summer. And that'll just get me ready for Diana to leave for 10 days to go to Kenya. And then when she gets back, I'll need another vacation, and then I'll be ready for the rest of the fall. But I, 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 get, I get tired sometimes. We get tired sometimes. But when we get to heaven, there's no, we're not going to be tired anymore in heaven. When we get to heaven, everything that you think that was going to be awesome or cool, God's going to do that much more. He's going to do something that much more incredible. He, heaven is going to be Heaven is going to be awesome. Just so you know, that's my job as your pastor, your friend, your coach to tell you heaven's going to be awesome. So the worst case scenario, if things end here on earth, you get to go to heaven and heaven is going to be awesome. I told the first service, my dad's here. I'm, my dad's the first. I'm the second. My son's the third. But I'm, my, my grandpa died um, my senior year of high school, the day after Thanksgiving. I'll never, ever forget that. My grandpa, he got a heart attack. He had a heart attack and lost 30% of his heart. And the doctor said to him, Mr. Beecham, no more hot sauce. You can't tell a black guy not to eat hot sauce, though. I just found that out. He's like, no hot sauce. You can't be, eating all, you can't be doing all that, you know, all that, all that salty food. I'm like, Grandma's going to use Lowry. He's like, she ain't not. Grandma ain't, Grandma ain't not using salt. 
And he said, she's, he's like, and you got to quit smoking. My grandpa quit smoking for like six weeks, and then he just started smoking again. And he's like, I think he was thinking the same thing I just told you guys. Worst case scenario is I go to heaven and be with Jesus. So he's like, I'll just keep on smoking. You're like, he's like, I'm going to get there somehow. Just when I get there is when I get there. You're trying to get there a little bit, a little bit faster. I, I realize this in here today. Some of you guys in here today, you need, a, you need some sort of provisional need. You're looking for a provisional a provisional miracle. Like you need God to show up and provide you with something that you need. Maybe it's financial. Let's call it that for today. You need God to show up and do it what only he can do. And I want to talk to you guys today about that, about that provision. But I wrote down this message title today that I think may would help you today. It's, the message title is this, is looking for leftovers. Looking, looking for leftovers. I grew up with six siblings and um, we ate leftovers all the time. Because we ate leftovers all the time, I will not eat leftovers Anymore, I told the first service, my, my brother-in-law's, the, the, the nicest steak restaurants that I've ever been to in my life, I've been to in the last six months, my brother-in-law has taken me there to him. And here's what I realized about going to a nice steakhouse, a nice restaurant. Leftovers from Ruth's Chris are a lot better than leftovers from McDonald's. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. I recently had a friend of ours take us to Eddie V's. Leftovers from Eddie V's is a lot better than leftovers from Papa John's cold pizza. Like the, those leftovers are different. But here's what I've, I say to you to say this. I think a lot of people, they're going through life and they're really just okay with leftovers, but God really wants to take them to a five-star steak restaurant. God really wants to do an incredible work in their relationships, but we've become satisfied with just mundane and mediocre and okay. The problem with that is this, that God's come to give you this incredible, this abundant this overflowing, this satisfying life, he wants to take you to Ruth's Chris, and you're like, God, I'll just eat leftover pizza. And God can do so much more than we're allowing him to do in our lives. And we read the Bible, and we listen to sermons, and we pray and we believe, but the, re the problem that we don't see the same miracles that we see in the Bible is because we don't live the kind of lives that we see the people in the Bible live out. If we want the results that we see in this scripture, we're going to have to live lives like we see in the scripture. Does that make sense? Just nod your head. That makes sense. If we want to see miracles happen, we got to see what these guys did, and we got to read it, and we got to see what they did. My question for you today is, are you looking for leftovers, or do you want all that God has for you? Do you want God's best for your life, or are you okay with mundane and mediocre and, and status quo? I don't think God's okay with that. God, God wanted you to win so much. The Bible says that God wanted you to win so much that he gave his life for you. John 3, 16. He wanted you to win that much that he gave his life for you. I love you, but I'm not giving my life for you. I'm not going to. Let me go one step further. I'm not giving you my parking spot in Winter Garden Village. I just, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. I want God to get me there, but I'm just not quite there yet. I'm praying. Like, I'll let you go in front of me at the line, but I'm not going to give you my parking spot in Winter Garden Village. God wants to give you this abundant life so much that he gave, he gave his life for you in Second Kings chapter four, Second Kings chapter four is slowly becoming my favorite chapter in all the Bibles because we see a miracle in the first part, in the middle part we see a miracle. In the part I'm going to read to you, we're going to see actually two miracles in this one passage of scripture. If one miracle wasn't good enough, then two, and then two in the same exact um, paragraph of scripture. Second Kings chapter four, verse thirty-eight. The Bible says Elisha now returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine. There was a famine in the land. I know what famine's like because this morning I ordered my coffee and it was wrong. That's what a famine is. I don't know why you're laughing. That's, that's, that's how I see a famine. But worst case scenario, it was, it was the car, they, they, I, I get my coffee a little bit of half and half, much like, like my life. 
a little half and half, and a little bit of sugar. And they gave me three creams and three sugars, and it was garbage. It was nasty. First world problems, I know. Best case scenario ever, Amy texts me 30 minutes later. Hey, I'm coming to church. Would you like Starbucks? And I looked at God and said, you are up there and you do miracles. And I'm so thankful. And the famine was over just like that. I mean, God, God heard my cry. He, heard, I mean, he hears what I asked for. And, three, and a few hours later, that came. And I'm so thankful that showed up. And I drank that thing. That was so good. I drank it so much. It's next, next thing I know, somebody showed up with one of these guys. So God, like one coffee was bad, but God gave me a double portion this morning. And I'm so thankful for a God of double portions. I receive it greatly. There's a famine in the land. I got to preach to you. There's a famine in the land. One day as the group of prophets was seated before him, he said to his servant, put a large pot, of, uh, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. There's a famine in the land. Let's have a meal this may be your last meal. Let's have a let's have a feast. Let's have a let's have a, a good old a good old meal. Let's have a good old crock pot meal today. Verse 39 says this. One of the young men went out into the field to gather some herbs, some herbs, and he came back with a pocket full of wild girds. I don't know what a gird is, but it does not sound good. <clears throat> but it get, this story gets worse. Not only are they eating vegetable soup, the Bible says, but it said here that he shredded the girds up. And he put it into the pot without realizing that they were poisonous. I don't know how you can tell if girds are poisonous or not, but I just assume today in church we shouldn't be eating vegetables based upon this passage of Scripture. That's what I'm reading, Giselle. I don't know if it's out of context or not, but it's somewhere, it's somewhere in there to stay away from the vegetables. Some of the stew was served to the men, but after they'd eaten a bite or two, the man of God yelled out, this stew is poisonous. These vegetables are, these vegetables are poisonous. So they would not eat it. Elisha, being the man of God, he had seen miracles. He had just performed miracles. And this, and this passage of scripture, just the next two paragraphs above us or before the story, he says, hey, guys, go get some flour. Now, this is before gluten intelligent and gluten allergies were a thing because they grabbed some flour and they throw it in the soup, the Bible says. And now it's all right. Now go ahead and eat it. And they did it, and it did not harm them. A little bit of flour will help you guys in here today. Some of you guys are like, oh, no, I have an allergy. Toss a little bit of flour there. It may make you, it may make you better. It may, you may be able to build up a, 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 an, an intolerance for it. The Bible says in verse 42, one day, so that happens. We see a miracle, number one. If you're looking for provision, God wants to provide for you. I mean, so many people that we blame God for the bad stuff, we give them, we, and we give ourselves credit for the good stuff. What I, what I propose to you today is we got to start giving God the credit for the good stuff. And why in the world aren't we blaming the devil for the bad stuff? There's a hierarchy of evil and good in the world, by the way. It goes God, it goes his children, and then it goes the enemy. Because my Bible tells me that the same power that rose Christ from the dead on Easter, it lives in you and me. I live, my, I live most of my Christian life defeated because I thought the enemy was stronger than me. The Bible says greater is he, greater is the West, the Heather, the you, you, your name. Greater are you if Christ is in you. The best version of me is the one where Christ is indwelling in me. And he indwells in his sons or daughters. Don't let it spook you out. There's a thing that should live inside of you. It should move and breathe. It's called the Holy Spirit. It should lead you and guide you. It should do that. It can do that. It wants to do that. Do you want it to do that? Do you want it to lead you and guide you? The problem with it is, is that if you let God lead you and let God guide you, then you can't be in control. 
You're like, okay, I don't want it then. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. No thanks. God wants to do an incredible thing in our life. I read that over and over again throughout scripture. He wants to do incredible things. He wants to do the impossible in your life. He really wants to. So in this passage of scripture, we're reading and he does that. He does this thing. He does this thing. He does this thing. And now it gets a little bit more complicated. Verse 42. <clears throat> One day, a man from Baal, I don't want to say that because I might cuss. He brought the man of God a sack of fresh grains and 20 loaves of barley bread made from the first grain of his harvest. He brought his first. He brought a tithe, the very first. He brought the first in here, okay? So there's something about first. First are important. I remember when we, our church turned one year, one years old. It was awesome. Year two, great. Year three, there's nothing like a first. I mean, first are, first are incredible. I remember when, I had our, when we had our first kid. That was incredible. Having one kid was awesome. God blessed us. Like, it was so incredible. I mean, having one kid was just, it, it, got, it got good, moms, and it was easy. And then things made a turn for the, made a turn. It made a, it just made a little turn. It's all it is, one little turn, and, and, and John came along. John wants to beat him in the third, Trip. I don't even know what to call him anymore, because he's trying to change his name on me. Like, Trip, I call him Trip John, John Trip. Just throw them both out. I'm like, then he came along. And it just, it got a little more complicated. And God's like, hey, if that wasn't, if it wasn't complicated enough, I've got one more gift for you. I said, God, I want all that you have for me. He gave me twins. I told the group last night, if you want to know why God gives certain people twins, God gives twins to people who sinned a lot in their life. That's their punishment. Like, you know, I know he doesn't punish us and he loves us and he's for us. But he's like, hey, I need to, I, I you know, I, I get my mom and dad enough trouble. And God's like, you reap what you sow. Here you go. Here's your double, por- you like double portions? <laughs> Here's your double portion. Let me let you have that. These are, these are yours. They graduated preschool this week. It's getting better. That's why we preach every week that the best is yet to come. It's getting better. Come on, God. Please let it get, please let it better, get better. My little daughter, my four-year-old, she got team, she got leader of the classroom. Well, no, don't all. That means they, when you're, a, when you're, when you're a senior in high school or in college, you want to get leader of the year. But when you're in K-4 and they give you leader, that means you're the worst kid in the class. It got worse. It got worse. The little, the little boy twin, I don't even know what his name is. The little boy twin, he got the Chatterbox Award. You don't want, you don't want your kid getting the Chatterbox Award. I got it for 12 years. You know what I'm saying? So I totally am reaping what I am, what I am sowing. You get, you get what, you, what you give. And so this story, let's keep reading. So he goes, hey, there's a first. This guy brings his first. He goes, hey, guys, give the people, give this to the people so that they can, they can eat it, Elisha said. Now there's a famine. And you want me to give our best on our first? There's a famine. You want me to give that first? I wrote down in my Bible here. It's okay to write in your Bible. I asked God. He said yes. I wrote down the word generosity. Generous people always give their best. Always. Generous people don't give, don't give their leftovers. Generous people, they always give their best. What I've observed. They, generous people love to give their best stuff. We, we, we say this at our church all the time. I was talking to my brother-in-law this week about this, about, about this generosity piece. And he was coaching me and I was listening. And he, we basically just, we were just talking this. But that Proverbs chapter 11 verse of the Bible says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger and larger and larger. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. 
this passage of scripture coming out of the gates, this, there's, a, there's a level of generosity in here that we see where God says, hey, I want you to, tell, tells, Elisha tells the guys, guys, give your first. If you give your first, something will happen when God shows up and does something that you and I can't do. If you and I give our first, we're going to run out. But if God tells you to give, your, give you your first, something happens that only God can make, only God can make happen. Verse 43 says this, what? He says, say what? His servant exclaimed, feed a hundred people with only this. So you want me to give my first, that's a problem. And you want me to take this little bit and you want me to feed a lot of it. Like I don't, the, the numbers aren't really adding up. I'm not really good at math. I'm not a, I know the guys probably go, we're not chefs, but here's what we do know. We don't want to give our first because if we give our first, we're in a famine. We're going to run out and we're not going to have anything to eat. Number one. Number two, the second thing you want us to do is you want us to use a little bit and you want us to use a little bit to make a lot. That's not going to work out either. This does not mathematically work. And what I want to let you know in here today that God uses a different economy than the way you and I use our economy. God does things completely different than the way that you and I do it. God does things a little bit. You and I would call them upside down or backwards. The way God does relationships always works. Come on, sister. And the way that the world does relationships, that does not work. There's a reason why 51% of marriages end in divorce. If we do them the world's way, they don't work. The way that God says to do money, it works. The way the world says to do money, we're in trillions of dollars of debt. Come on, church. Like, you gotta, you got to get to a place in your life where you don't got to be super spiritual. You don't have to know a lot about the Bible. But God has a way of doing things that work, and the world has a way of doing things that doesn't work. God has a way for you to parent your kids. I already got in there that last week, but just to make that message short, it's spankings. That's the way he designed it. The way the world says it is don't look at your kids the wrong way because they'll call DCF on you. That's the way the world says it. And that's not working. That's not working. I don't want to preach that too much. I think I preached that a few weeks ago. But there's a, there's a way that the, I want to just let you know. There's a way the world says to do it. And there's a way that God's word says to do it. God's word always works out. I've never seen this thing not work out. And, and until I do, I'm going to preach it like I see it. And I'm going to see it like I believe it. i got to always do that. This thing, friends, this works. People come to me all the time. I told a friend of mine the other day, a young man, he's like, man, he's like, man, I just, I want to, I want to do what you're doing. I said, what am I doing? He goes, you get up there and you preach, you know, you make people laugh, you, you share some stories about God. He's like, I love that, that sounds awesome. I said, you'd hate to have this Monday through Friday. <laughs> I was telling that to my brother-in-law. Like, everybody wants to be a, everybody wants to be a business, everybody wants to be a, be, be a self-made business guy. Everybody wants to build a business the, the way that some of you guys in this church have built it. Everybody wants that, but they don't want the headaches. Nobody, I was talking to my friend of mine, my friend Randy, like, you, everybody, wants, everybody wants to make millions of dollars, but nobody wants OSHA calling them. <laughs> like, all my business owners are like, amen. They're like, shout me down. Like, there's a lot of things you want. I told the guy, I said, you don't want this Monday through Friday. I said, you've got to be, I was telling my friends uh, last night, I said, you know, I, I started this church. I said, I, I had a reason why I started the church, and, and God told me to do it, and there's a lot of reasons why, but. I learned, some, I learned some things along the way after I launched a church. I was telling them some of the nightmares of being a pastor. Nobody wants the nightmares of being a pastor. Nobody wants the money through Friday. The money through Friday, I got to be consistent with my finances every single day. I got to be consistent in my marriage every single day. I got to be consistent in my relationships every single day. A lady called me this week. She goes, I'm at the hospital, pastor. My daughter's out of town. You're the only one that can take me home. So I did what any good pastor would do. 
I gift carded her an Uber account. I mean, that's what a good, no, I'm just kidding. That's what the pastor would do. But I don't claim to be a pastor. I claim to be a lover of humanity. My brother-in-law told me this, and I told, him, I told him this the other day. We had a good talk the other day. I needed some time with him and got some time with him. He, he told me something. He said, you know what your sweet spot is at this church? He said, this is all you got going for you, Wes. I don't have a lot going for me. That's what he said. He said, no one loves people as much as you do. That's what this church has that every church doesn't have. You guys love people. That's what you guys have. Do that. That's your sweet spot. If you go to get a loan from the bank, they're going to say, what makes you better than everybody else? That's all we have. We love people well. We can compete. A lady called me the other day. She's like, hey, I'm trying to sell my car. My husband's out of town. Can you come? And I'm like, call your pastor. She goes to church. I'm like, call your, why, are you, why are you calling me? I go to this gym. People are, this guy died a few weeks ago. People call our church. People call this church. That's who they, that's who they call. I got this, I got this uh, card the other day. This, this guy just sent this in the He goes, in the brief moment that I have known you and interacted with Debbie and Amy, I'm convinced the Holy Spirit's work in this city and encouraged by your efforts. This church, we, we love people. They say, man, you guys are relational. You guys are, you guys love people well here. That's what we have. That's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna do. We wanna, we wanna love, we wanna love well. We wanna encourage well. So let me, let me finish the story. Verse 43. What his servant explained, feed 100 people with only this. Be Elisha repeated, give it to the people so they can eat. For this is what the Lord says, everyone will eat and there will even be some left over. <clears throat> and when they gave it to the people, there was a plenty for all and there was some left over just as the Lord had promised. I wanna let you know in here today, when you do things the way that God says to do them, there'll be enough for you There'll be enough for your community of believers and there'll be leftovers. I don't know about you in here today, but I want to have leftovers if they're from God. I'm okay with that. I want that. God's gonna give me, I'm gonna, God's gonna give me what he's God's gonna give me what he wants to give me. He's gonna give me some of everybody else's everything. And he's gonna, he's gonna give me leftovers. That sounds, who wouldn't sign up for that? Who wouldn't sign up for that? I wrote down this. I think you it might be helpful for you today got two things to share with you. Here's the first one. Follow the process, Jesus will bring the provision. If you follow the process, Jesus will bring the provision. Every single time I've ever been a part of the process, God has always brought the provision. Oh, always, always have. We're going to do camp in a few weeks from now, and I'm just going to tell people, I told tell them a friend of mine, like, we're going to send kids to camp. We're going to send this kid to camp. We're going to be obedient. We're going to help kids out. We're going to help kids out. God always brings the provision every single time. When God said, hey, Wes, start the church, we said, all right, God, we'll do whatever you want us to do. God brought the provision. He always brings the provision. Whenever God said, hey, go to two services, we said, all right, God, we're going to go to two services. We went to two services. God brought the God brought the provision. He, he always does. When we told you guys a few weeks ago that we're going to buy a church in Cuba, God brought the provision. God always brings the provision. If we follow the process, the problem is that we don't want to follow the process. Can I tell you this in here today? This is a freebie. This is business stuff, and this maybe will help you. The win is in the process. The win is in the grind. The win is digging it out. The win it is in the faithfulness. The win is not the win. The win is in the faithfulness. The win is being. In, the win is in the being committed. The win is working hard when no one else is around. The win is when you're being. When the win is inside the character. That's the win. 
We think the win is, oh, you made it, West. You're on a stage. You got lights and you got sound. You got the fog and all this stuff. And people are coming. And you're... No, the win is loving the people on Monday. The win is loving the people on Tuesday. The win is loving the people on Thursday. The win is in the people. That's the win. The win is building lives to change an entire city. That's the win. That's what we got to be about. We got to be... That's what it's about. It's, it's about the process. I'm committed to the process. We won't win one day when we have a building. People come, you know what? People come to this church, they leave. I said, why do you guys leave? They go, oh, you guys don't have a building. I was like, we don't need a building. We got Jesus and we love people. That's all you really need in life is some really, really good people and a really, really good God who loves you unconditionally. That's all you need in life. My house burns down tomorrow. I can call five people and they'll take us in. They may not take the twins in, but they're going to take me and Diana and like, we're, we're good for it. Like, send those twins to Debbie Maddox. She'll take one. Like, that's the win. The win is in the process. The Bible says in this passage of Scripture, because I want you guys to give your best to these people. It'll go further with me in it, and there will be leftovers. I want to take leftovers from God. Here's the second thing. I think this is mad important or really important. I got a list of things they tell me not to say anymore. I think that's in there. I think the word mad is gone. <laughs> Like, dude, why are you mad all the time? Like, no, it's a, it used to be a good thing. Like, not anymore. Be careful where you're going for provision. Be careful where you're going for provision. My, I opened up my house tonight to a bunch of 20-year-olds. And you know what I know about 20-year-olds? They don't know anything. It's so nice being a 30-year-old to say, I always want to be 30 so I can be able to say, man, 20-year-olds, they don't know anything. You know what I can't wait for? I got three more years. When I'm, when I'm 40, Dad, 30-year-olds, they don't know Jack. 30-year-olds, they don't know Jack. What do 30-year-olds know? And when I'm 50, I'm going to say, think of these 40-year-old guys, they don't know anything nowadays. These 40-year-old guys, they don't know anything. 20-year-olds, they don't know anything. They sit at my table, oh, Pastor Wes, I just want to be married. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't. The hardest thing, you, you, it would be easier for you to become a millionaire than it is to figure out how to be a great at marriage. It's hard. It's work. But the work's worth it. It's a grind. It's a process. It ain't all, it ain't all, uh, whatever you think it is, it ain't all that. Like that, I mean, that's awesome, but it ain't all that. Pastor West, I just wanna, I wanna own my own business. No, you don't. It's hard. You know how long it takes to be an overnight success? Tell them this, they look at me, their mouths are so blunt. I said, it takes 15 years to become an overnight success. Why won't my podcast take off? Because it's not good. You don't know anything, you're 20. Who's gonna, how many people do you, I don't listen to 20 year olds. Like I was one. Like I didn't even like listening to myself. Pastor West, I just really wanna, I wanna, I wanna, do, I wanna, I wanna buy this car. No, you don't. You don't wanna spend $500 a month. Instead, find, find, spend $250 a month and put the $250 in a Roth account. That's what you want to do. <laughs> They're like this. I hate you. Like, that car's awesome. I pulled up next to this kid the other day at the school. I was dropping my kids off at school, and the kid graduated like two years ago. I said, how? Pulled up in a nice car, nice Camaro. I said, man, how's everything going? That's what he said to me. Not good. Things are going great. He goes, this, 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 I swear to goodness, the first thing I was mouth. I said, how's everything going? He goes, I just put some stuff on my car to make it sound good. Nobody cares about your car, like, except for you. That's not gonna, that's not gonna do anything for you. I make you feel good. The banks are glad that you spent that much money. 
I said, what are you doing for work now? Oh, man, I don't, got this job. I don't even like it. Like, why don't you go find a good job that you like? Find a car that will get you there from A to B and save some money and then buy that car cash in, in, in five or six years. He looked at me like this. I didn't even ask you for any help. <laughs> be careful where you go for provision. Money, you know what the rich people say? This is what the rich people say. I just want to put it in a, in a general category. They say this. I wish everyone could have a lot of money so they can find out that it won't, money won't make you happy. That's what the rich people say. That's not what I'm telling you. That's what they're saying to you. That, that's, that, church, we get so caught up in all the wrong things. We gotta be careful where we're going to for provision. I wanna pour into my wife and my life and my kids. I wanna pour into that. There's a greater return on investment in that. I was somewhere yesterday and the guy was like, do you want to give money to this? I was buying shoes for my wife. And I was like, do you want to donate money to this thing? I'm like, no. I want to donate money to my church so I can send kids to camp so they can get saved and not go to hell. That's what I want to do. That's what, I, that's what I'm about. I want to, would you like to give money to this? No, I want to give my money to my church so they can buy more churches. No, I don't want to do that. You want to give money to this? I, this is the kind of conversation I have in my head. No, I don't want to give my money to that. I want to give my money to church because I want to send medical supplies to Nairobi, Kenya because they can't afford a Tylenol, but I can afford lots of them. That's what I want to do. Dan and Rebecca, that are up here leading I want to pour my money into Dan and Rebecca because I know they're going to eradicate Bible poverty. I want to pour my money into something that's going to matter. I want to get to heaven one day and they'd be like, you know that little church right there? They made a huge difference in their community. And Jesus is going to say, and when we get to heaven, we're going to have an asterisk next to our name. And you know, like an asterisk, not a, it's not a good thing. Like if you get into the Hall of Fame, but there's an asterisk, that's not good. There's going to be an asterisk and the Bible's going to say asterisk. They didn't have a building. <laughs> we got each other. We got Jesus and we got the love of Jesus. We got that. Be careful where you get your provision from, from. John chapter 15, verse four and five, two of the most encouraging verses of scripture, I think, in the Bible. You might wanna take a picture of it. You might wanna read it to yourself this week. Remain in me. Remain in me, Jesus is saying this. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in God. Man, this verse is so good. I wish I could just, I wish I would just preach John 15 to you guys. John 15 is the, one of the most encouraging scriptures in all the Bible. Just this little chunk of scripture. Jesus said, yeah, it's me. I'm the vine. And guess what? You're the branches. And those of you guys that remain in me and I in them, they're gonna produce much fruit. This church is producing fruit, but we can produce more. We serve a God of more. God's got the water and he's got the fertilizer and we're the branches. We're the branches. For apart from God, you can do nothing. Marriages, nothing. Finances, nothing. Relationships, nothing. Mental health, nothing. Emotionally, nothing. Apart from God, you can't do nothing. Let's remain in him, church. He's gonna remain in us. Why don't we remain in him?